You're listening to a podcast from Bayside Church International. I'm very excited about our preacher this morning. We've heard her a lot, but we haven't heard her preach. She has preached a lot, but not for us. Who might it be? Who indeed? Let's say... She has an accent. Am I narrowing it down? We do often hear, Erin, would you like to come forward, please? We do often hear from Erin, do notices. And I've got to tell you, I think every time you do notices, whoever I'm sitting next to, or when I go out afterwards, they say, when are we going to hear more from her? So today's the day. Isn't that great? So uh, let's pray for Erin, please. If you want to extend your hand. Father God, we thank you that your voice comes through all of us. And Father, we lift our expectancy to hear your voice this morning as it comes through Aaron. Father, I pray your peace, your rest, your assurance, your confidence, your clearness of mind and speech upon Aaron as she brings your word. Father, I thank you that it's an honour to bring your word. And Lord God, we are so excited and just ready to hear from you. We praise you and bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Go, girl. Thanks, Leanne. I was afraid I wasn't going to be able to get this open. (laughs) All right, well, I'm excited to be preaching um, for you guys this morning. And 13-year-old Aaron is very happy because I finally got to wear one of these Britney Spears mics. (sighs) Can you guys believe it's already New Year's Eve? I can't. And in honor of it being New Year's Eve, this sort of has something to do with our theme today. So I'm just going to dive into it. New Year's is upon us. Just like that, 2017 is over and 2018 is here. I don't know about you, but my 2017 was a whirlwind. I mean, I was actually excited for 2016 to be over. Just four days after New Year's, I was getting married. 2017 has been a busy year. I got married twice. One marriage, two weddings. We got married in Canada, and then Chad performed a second ceremony for us over here. Just want to put that proviso in there. It was the same man. (laughs) Mark and I got married officially in Canada, like I said, and then here. So we honeymooned for 10 days. Then I moved across the world. We've since rented a house, bought a car, I've had to find a job, and we've applied for residency so that I can stay here with you all. (laughs) We've covered a lot of ground, and now just like that, it's almost a new year, and I can't believe all that has happened in 2017. So at this time of year, I noticed that the new year often becomes part of our small talk. We ask each other questions like, are you ready for the new year? And last year, I was. But often what we hear when we ask this question is not joy, but relief. A new year coming means that the one we're living is finally over. So some of the responses I've heard, I can't wait for a new year, 2018 can't get any worse, it's only up from here, I'm hoping next year we'll settle down, I'm still getting over 2017. Actually, as I was writing this, um, I had an email from a friend in Canada, and they said to me, 
that it has actually been a really hard year for my wife and I. So we are really excited for the ball to drop and a new year to begin. So a couple of these statements almost sound positive, but it's the tone in which we say them that can actually make them negative ones. It's not like, I can't wait for the new year. It's, I can't wait for a new year. We're often all too eager to leave a year behind and leave it in the past. So what is it about that word past? What is in that connotation? Do you ever notice that when we're talking about the word past, it always seems to be negative? I rarely hear someone say my past was great, but I've heard let's leave it in the past. Oh well, it's in the past now, or I'm not proud of my past. It's like we're trying to sell, tell someone, I've left it behind, I'm over it, it's not important. But I think what we're really saying is that I'm not ready to face it, I don't want to talk about it, or maybe I'm ashamed. So what is it that you're leaving behind this year? Is it joy? Sure, maybe, I told you that I am. Or maybe it's sin, struggle, failure perhaps? Or what about loss? Hurt? Grief? Brokenness? For some of us, that is true too. It doesn't matter what it is, all of us are leaving something behind in 2017. Some chapter of our lives, good or bad. So as I was thinking about the past, I did the best theological thing anyone could do. I googled the definition. That's right, I didn't even use a dictionary. And here's the thing, I was surprised. I'm not sure how I made it 26 years without doing this, other than to say, maybe we have such a culturally defined definition of the word past that I never thought I needed to because I thought I understood it. So here's the definition of past. Gone by in time, okay, that one made sense no longer existing. Does that one surprise anyone? If that doesn't say it all, here are a few more. Over and done with, extinct, dead and buried. But my personal favorite of these is no longer existing. That's the one that surprised me because as I read it, the definition sounded good. So why should we leave the past behind? And what does Jesus have to say in regard to pasts? Well, today I'm going to look at three G's because we all like it in this church when our points start with the same letter. If you're visiting today, it's a theme in this church. And we're going to redefine this word past because where we have made it a negative, we should see a positive. It can be a beautiful and wonderful thing. For something that we want to leave behind, to no longer exist. So I'm going to start at the beginning, and we're going to start with grace. So maybe it's sin or failure or struggle. Maybe you're thinking of your own, something I haven't mentioned, that we're wanting to leave behind. But whatever the 2017 looks like, you want to forget it. You wish it didn't happen. You would like to pretend it wasn't there. And I have some great news. We can start 2018 with grace, which I think is fitting 
Because Jesus started his promise of eternal life with grace. So in regards to sin, Jesus said, it is finished. Three words, yet so profound. I don't know all of you well. Some of you have never even met. And I don't know what you have been through this year. But on that cross, Jesus said three of the simplest, yet most profound words. It is finished. And I want you to let them soak in today. John 19:30. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. You see, before Jesus died on the cross, God's people had to make sacrifices for, and atone for their sins. Only the holiest could, the, could enter the temple. And they did so with a string attached to them, so that if God passed judgment on them, they could be pulled out and their bodies would be retrieved. When Jesus died on the cross, he took all of that. He ended it. He gave us a gift in which was the ultimate sacrifice, an atonement for every kind of sin, every kind of failure, and every kind of blemish. Anything you can think of, he took it. There's a Greek word that is used in this verse. I'm probably not going to pronounce it right. Greek wasn't my major. But it's tetelestai, which means to bring to a close, to complete, or to fulfill. So I was reading about the Greek used here, and Jesus uses a combination of two tenses. And by doing this, what he's saying is, it is finished, and it will continue to be finished. It is paid in full. Jesus wiped our debt completely. The profoundness of grace means that it's past and no longer exists. For me, this is something that I've struggled to wrap my head around. And learning to understand God's grace has been so incredible because I can only be whole and worthy when I am in the middle of this grace. You see, what you might not know about me is that I'm actually a perfectionist. And I used to find my worth in this. My ability to do things well made me who I was. They defined me. This is where I found my pride. This is where I found my definition. And I struggled a lot with failure. It ruined me. So one day I'm sitting with a counselor and somehow the conversation shifts from talking about struggles I had with family to talking about me. Well, I don't know how that happened. <laughs> and I was telling her that failure was bad, that I had to be perfect. And she looks at me straight in the eye and she says this, are you Jesus? took me back for a second. I'm sorry, what kind of stupid question is that? Of course I'm not Jesus. Goodness. So she says to me, but only Jesus is perfect. So if you have to be perfect, aren't you saying that you're Jesus? No, but she cuts me off. Aaron, if you're saying that you're perfect, aren't you robbing him? of his ability to extend you his gift of grace. 2 Corinthians 12, 9, but he said to me, 
My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. So what she said to me was a little extreme, but it changed my perspective on grace. Because in our weakness, in our humanity, it's the perfect opportunity for God's divine power. The beauty of grace is that it's free. It's undeserved. We shouldn't have it. And I think that once you understand grace, you begin to understand the beauty of the gospel. Jesus, at his weakest on the cross, was actually his strongest because of what he did for every one of us. He did everything for us. And through this act, he made us a promise, a promise of eternal life. And that, I believe, is the greatest promise of all. But all of God's promises are good. So let's talk about my next point, the goodness of God's promises. G number two. For others of us, it's not about grace this year. It's about pain. Some of us have experienced loss. Some of us are dealing with grief. And some of us are broken. We're discouraged. We're tired. We've been beat down. And to those of you that that rings true, God says, believe in the goodness of my promise. Says, believe in the goodness of my promises. God made thousands of promises in the Bible. And guess what? There wasn't one that he didn't keep, even if his people were disobedient, unfaithful, didn't trust him, undeserving, he kept them all. Joshua 21, 45, not one of all the Lord's good promises to the house of Israel failed. Every one was fulfilled. Hebrews 6, 13 to 15, when God made his promises to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. And so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. In Genesis, God makes a covenant with Abraham. The covenant is binding. The covenant is an oath. God promises him an heir. A child will be born of his own flesh. Sarah gets impatient. Sarah gets tired of waiting, and she says to Abraham, Ugh, the Lord has kept me from having a child. Those are strong words. So she says to her husband, sleep with my maidservant, produce a child. And he does this. But we continue on later into the story. We come to Genesis 21, 1. It says, now the Lord was gracious to Sarah, as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. God is always on time. His promise did not come in Sarah's timeline, might not even come in ours, but his promises always come according to God's time, and his time is best. Not only did God keep his promise to give Sarah a child, but man, Sarah was old. So he gave her the strength and the ability to be able to do it. 
When God makes a promise, he keeps it. And God promises us good things. And these promises are numerous. Philippians 4.19, God will supply every need. Romans 8.28, God makes all things work together for our good. Romans 8.31, God is for us, not against us. Matthew 11.28-29, he will give us rest for our souls. Lamentations 3.22-24, his mercies are new every morning. I could go on, and I'm sure you could add to my list too. But we need to trust that these promises are for us today. When I was reading Hebrews 6, 13 to 15 before, this verse is about the certainty of God's promise. We have this hope as an anchor for our soul, firm and secure. Another thing that um, shows us God's promises are true is personal experiences. Personal experiences can show how God's promises are true in our own lives. So three years ago, I was doing ministry in Quebec, which is Canada's French-speaking state. So it was nearing the end of my second semester of French study. I'd been, been put into courses by the ministry that were quite difficult, too difficult. Um, I just wanted to learn how to order a coffee in French. And I was learning how to congregate verb tenses I'd never heard of and expected to listen to and, and understand entire lessons that were spoken in French. Um, I tried to talk to the people about it. They wouldn't listen to me. And I struggled daily. I would Google Translate whole sections of my reading just to scrape by. Started to struggle with depression. I was tired. I just failed most of my courses, which hurt my pride. And I was also dumped. And I was really angry with God. God, how could this be your plan? How are you good? Why are you doing this to me? And where the heck are you? It didn't seem like he was around. It didn't seem like he was there. And it didn't seem like he was for me. As I walked into youth that night, and I'll be honest, I only went because I was on the leadership team. And I was angry, and I was standing there feeling pretty numb. But the, big the band began to sing, De est bon, de est bon. In English, God is good, God is good. And in that moment, something came over me. And I just began to weep. Because even though I was angry, I knew with every fiber of my being that my God was still good. So these events led me to summer camp for some space and some healing, some clarity. And again, I was angry. At 24 years old, with a four-year degree in theology, what the heck was I doing at summer camp cleaning toilets with a bunch of immature teenagers? That didn't seem very fair to me. Didn't seem like a good use of my giftings. But that summer, I met my husband. And what I didn't see then, that I now see, is that God worked everything together for my good. My God was for me, not against me. It's not always when we want it, 
or how we want it. It wasn't for me, but I learned that I can hold on to the promises of God, and I can trust them to keep them. Because every time he made a promise to his people, and every time he's made a promise to me, he's kept it, even when disobedient, even when undeserving, even when we have to wait patiently. We all love that word. And it doesn't come right away. The thing is, promises don't always come in the fluffiness of life. But whether they come in the fluffiness or they come at another time, they are good. So my last point is this. Get on with it. And it's more like half a point because it's short. But I don't want to leave this group of people out. Those of you that are thinking, this doesn't really apply to me. I've had a good year. Not everyone has had a bad year. Some of you have had a great year. Maybe you would even call it fantastic. You're sitting in my camp. I told you that I had a good year, and I like good things. But every time I have a really good weekend or a really good holiday, I find myself sad as I come to the end of it. I don't quite know how to transition well from my blissful state back to reality. I don't quite have embracing the change or the mundane mastered. And this is the danger for some of us entering 2018. We can hold too tight to a good year. What if I am so caught up in the goodness of this year that nothing next year brings can compare? It's just a letdown. It's disappointing. And maybe the year's not even bad. It's just average. But because we just keep thinking about how good last year was, it's not great. Kind of like an adrenaline junkie when they keep going from one adventure to the other just to keep on that high. See, my reality moving forward is I don't see how much could compare to the greatness and adventure I've experienced this year. Unless, maybe I get pregnant. No, I am not pregnant. I will forever get the baby question now. Don't. <laughs> but even a great year needs to be left behind to an extent. Maybe we'll call it remembering it well. Not forgotten. We're not quite leaving the past behind in the same way. Just checking that we can move forward. We need to get on with it. See what I did there? so that we can enjoy the road and the blessings God has for us in the next year without being stuck in the past. My professor always used to quote Jim Elliot, who's a famous missionary, and he would say, wherever you are, be all there. In every situation, he wanted to encourage us to be completely present. So can I encourage you, as you come into 2018, to be completely present. If 2017 was a fantastic year, let's look forward to what God's going to do next year. Psalms 9:10. Those who know your name will trust in you. For you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. Psalm 18:30. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is flawless. So to this group of people, I just want to say this. Trust in the Lord. He won't forsake you. His ways are perfect. 
Know this as you bask in a wonderful year past, and know this as you enter another year. Keep getting to know your Lord and know his promises. This way, if you ever do have a time where you need to leave the year behind, if you ever fall into one of those first two camps, you are solid in God's grace, and you are solid in God's promises. And I also want to say this, even though I'm encouraging you not to get stuck in the past, don't forget the goodness of God in this season. Store it in your heart and remember it as a testament of God's goodness. Just going to look at Hebrews 12, 1 to 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. So as we make this jump, and for some of you it's a jump, for some of you maybe it's just a little walk, from 2017 to 2018, let's redefine our perspective of past. It doesn't have to be a bad thing. It can be a past. Something no longer existing, something gone by in time. But whatever it is that we are leaving behind, whether it be bad or good, you can leave it behind with grace and with the goodness of God's promises so that you can get on with it. And I'm not trying to be hard or harsh by saying get on with it, I just don't want you to lose sight of your future. It's not getting knocked down that's bad. But it's staying there that hinders us. So know this tonight and tomorrow morning as you wake up to a new year or tomorrow morning as you kiss or shout or whatever it is you do to a new year. Your past is beautiful. Some of us have things that we've experienced in 2017 that have been awful. They've been painful. And I can't know what that has felt like. The heartache or the sadness that you may have experienced. So I don't want to minimize what your process is or what it is that you need to journey. When I left Quebec, I was a broken version of myself that I had never seen before. And I spent a whole lot of time healing and seeking God. But what I want for you, God's people, those he dearly loves, those that he has chosen, his children, I want you to walk in the fullness of what God has for you. We are loved by a God of grace and a God who follows through on his promises. So I'm going to pray the worship team's going to play softly and um, this is what I want us to do. If you want to spend time with the Lord today, please don't rush off to coffee. Um, If you need to leave, I just ask that you do it quietly. This year has been tough. It's been sad. Maybe even good and you just want to thank God for his goodness. Or maybe you haven't yet experienced God's grace in your life. 
you don't quite understand the goodness of his promises. But that's the kind of God you want to know today? Then I just want to invite you to stay in this room, stay in the presence of God. Rachel, Jake, and the team will be up here to pray with you. And if you need to, I encourage you to bring a friend. Don't do this alone. Maybe you feel more comfortable praying with a friend where you are. That's okay too. But please, spend some time with the Lord. God, we just, we thank you for who you are today. Lord, we thank you that you have such a father's heart. Lord, that you only want the best for your children. That you are full of grace. That your promises are good. And that you show us the way for a brighter future. Lord, I don't know what everyone's experienced in this room today, Lord. But I just pray that your hand and your presence will be on every person as they enter a new year, Lord. Lord, I pray for miraculous healing. I pray for divine grace. Lord, I pray for the comfort of a father's heart. God, whatever it is, however it may look, Lord, I pray that we will just be right smack dab in the middle of it all with you by our side. Thank you, Lord. In your name I pray. This has been a podcast from Bayside Church International. Thanks for listening.